Well, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we are in a series called Wait for the Wind. And uh, it really started, it really started uh, the first week of November where we kind of laid out our vision initiatives for the next 12 months or so where we kind of talked about what we were going to be really focusing on, what we were going to be doing over the next 12 months for kind of mission fulfillment as a church. And so if you were here, you know that we we talked about the, the kind of four initiatives that we were going to be looking at, the beginning of the legacy team, our legacy offering, uh, our serve day that'll be the weekend after Easter, and then of course our Nicaragua trip coming up in June. And, and it's just really important for us to make sure that we're always setting goals to fulfill the mission that God has placed on us. And so we kind of started there talking about the things that we felt God wanted us to really focus and put our attention and our resources into over the next 12 months. And then the next week, we kind of picked up a story where the disciples were in this waiting season in between Jesus's death and his resurrection. And they were kind of in this season where they were waiting. They didn't exactly know what they were waiting for. And we, we followed their story where they did what we so often end up and do when we're in seasons of waiting. And they were waiting in fear. They were waiting in fear and anxiety. And they found themselves, as a result, isolated and rehearsing the past and being blinded to what God was actually doing in the midst of their waiting that God was actually working in the midst of their waiting, but because of their fear, because of their isolation, because they had allowed themselves to lose faith and hope, they couldn't even see what Jesus was doing right in front of them. How many of you have ever been in a season where you were in the waiting and you didn't know exactly what was going on, but all along God was working? All along he was doing what he said he was gonna do. And then we kind of moved along in the story to where Jesus rises from the dead. He comes back and the disciples are obviously very excited. And then lo and behold, he tells them that he's leaving again and that they're going to be doing some more waiting. And we talked about how in the life of the believer, the idea of waiting well is essential to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, that we have to learn to wait well and that it matters where we wait, that it matters who we wait with, and that it matters what we do while we wait. And we kind of contrasted these two seasons of waiting that these followers of Jesus had, where in one moment they were waiting in fear, they were waiting in isolation, they were waiting in anxiety, and then in the next moment there was a a difference in the way that they waited, that because they had a word from God, they, they waited well. And we wanna pick up that same story kind of at the end of their waiting season. Because how many of you know that there is nothing better than when your waiting comes to an end? That when your long awaited season of waiting comes to an end and you kind of begin to see what was happening in that waiting. And so we pick up the story in the book of Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. 
utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and other places that are hard to announce, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, they all heard in their own language. We jump to verse 14. And it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. How many of you know that after you've been waiting in a long season, it's really nice when you start to get an explanation for what's been going on. He he said, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to preach the final message in this series called Wait for the Wind. And this message today is called Wait Until When. Wait Until When. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all that you speak to us through it. And I just pray today, God, that you would speak through me, God, that you would help me to say what you want to be said and that you would help us to hear what you want to be heard today, God. God, this is why we're here today. God, we love the fellowship. We love worshiping you. But God, we want to be changed by your word today. God, because we know that your word does not return void. God, when we open the pages of your word, when we listen to the sound of your voice, God, that it's living and that it's active and that it does something within us. And so God, we're not just learning great principles today about waiting, God. We're trusting that you're going to transform us into the kind of people that you want us to be as we open your word this morning. And so we ask that you would do that today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love the first word of the first verse that we read this morning. It says, when, when the day of Pentecost came. The good news about waiting is that every wait ends in a win. That some, there is a win that when what you're waiting for actually happens. That, that what God has been speaking to you actually comes to pass when the day came. We were uh, over the holidays, as many of you probably were, we drove up to Montgomery, Alabama. That's where I grew up. All of my family is still there. So we drove up uh, north, but it's still the south. And uh, we drove up there, and it's, it's about a nine-hour drive. We have three girls, and so sometimes we have to stop here and there. But it's about a nine-hour drive if we drive well. And I don't know about, I, I like to make good time when I drive. 
There's no real good reason for it, but I like to make good time. I like to, the first thing that me and my dad usually discuss when I walk in the door is like, how long did it take you? Like, how long did you do? Because he drives down here to visit, and he'll be, yeah, you know, we did it in eight and a half last time. I'm like, yeah, we were driving with three kids. You know, we couldn't stop, and we kind of compare and contrast. I love making good time. We, we, we make very, like, precision stops. When we stop, I, I, as we're pulling off the exit, I'm like, okay, our goals at this stop I'm going to get gas. You guys are going to go to the bathroom, maybe grab a quick snack, and then we're going to get in the car. And if I have time to go in and go to the bathroom after the gas is filled up and you're already back, good. If I don't, I'm going to have to suck it up. We got to get back in the car because we are making good time. And so we're always trying to make good time. But, but along the way, we get the question that you've always gotten. If you have kids, you get the question, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? And this time it was my little Sophia about every hour, she asks, when are we going to be there? And I could just see the look of disappointment on her face because if you ask every hour, it just feels like it's not passing by at all. Seven hours and eight hours is not that different. And then six hours and eight hours does not feel that different. And so we're trying to do all these things to pass the time and they're watching movies. And she's just continually asking, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? And it struck me that as many times as she asked when we were going to be there, there was one question that she never asked on the entire nearly nine and a half hour drive with stops included in the nearly nine and a half. She never asked if we were going to get there. She never asked if we were going to get there. She knew that we were going to get there. She just didn't know when. And this is the season that the disciples were in throughout this last season of waiting, because as you remember last week, Ashton mentioned that the disciples, they kind of asked this question of, of Jesus, is this the moment when you're going to do what you've said you're going to do? And his response is, the when is not for you to know. The when is not for you to know. Now, I'll be honest, that's a very frustrating answer. If my little Sophia had asked about seven hours into the drive, hey, when are we going to get there? And I'd said, that is not for you to know. She would not be happy with that response. She would not feel good about that response. But she never asked if we were going to get there because, see, a child trusts that their parent is, is going to get them there even if they don't know when. Even if they don't know the when, they know that there is a when, that there is going to be a time when we get there. And I wonder sometimes if we trust God enough to stay in the journey when we don't know when the wind is coming. When we don't know when the wind is coming, I wonder sometimes if we trust God enough to know that it's not about if it's going to come, that we know it is going to come. And the, the fact that we don't know when doesn't mean that there's not a wind. In this moment, the disciples are experiencing what they've waited for. They're experiencing this moment where they're waiting is over. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly, it came. The end of waiting always feels sudden. The wait might not feel sudden, but the end of waiting always feels sudden. 
because you've been waiting. You've not been knowing when it's going to happen. You've not known when things are going to come to pass. You've not known when the promise was going to come, but then all of a sudden, it's here. All of a sudden, suddenly, it's here. This is what happens when we are uh, in like an engagement where we get engaged and there's months and months of waiting. And occasionally I'll do premarital counseling and I always tell them that there's this season of months and months of waiting. And then the wedding takes like 15 minutes. It's like months of planning, months of stressing, months of every detail, agonizing over every detail. And then in like 30 minutes, it's all said and done. You're completely done. Suddenly, you're just married. Suddenly, you're just there. But here's the thing is that something that happens suddenly can be a crisis if you're not ready for it. If you're not prepared for suddenly, that's a problem. If you're not prepared for that suddenly moment, what should be a blessing becomes a problem. And it says that suddenly, the wind came. And in Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13, we see this story of another suddenly moment. And this is a parable where, where Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. And this is the language that he uses all throughout the New Testament. He describes the kingdom of heaven. And he says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The waiting was longer than they expected. The waiting was more drawn out than they expected, and they didn't have what they needed to sustain the wait, so they fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. It's echoing this language that Jesus would later say to his disciples that the day and the hour is not for you to know. See, all throughout scripture, Jesus is clear that it does not matter that we don't know when something is going to happen. It does not matter that we don't know. That so often we want to know the when, but Jesus is time and time again saying it does not matter that you know when. What matters is that when it comes, you're ready for it. That when it comes, you're prepared for it. See, these virgins, they missed the wedding because it came suddenly and they were not expecting it. And I wonder how often some of us, we get kind of lost in the wait. So when the wind comes, we're not ready for it. See, so often we waste that waiting that is supposed to prepare us for the moment, and we're not ready for it when it comes. We're supposed to stay faithful in the waiting. Sometimes we get thrust into something that should be a blessing, but it becomes a crisis because we're not prepared for it. Yeah, many of you have probably seen this situation on your jobs or in your lives, but 
Occasionally, there might be a person that you work with that they're kind of getting by on their job. But everybody that works directly with this person knows that they're doing just the bare minimum to get by with their job. They're they're just doing the bare minimum so that it looks like they're doing a great job. But everybody that works really closely with them knows that they're not actually doing a great job. It just looks like they're doing a great job. And, And let me tell you when it becomes very clear that this person wasn't doing a great job is when that person gets promoted. When that person gets promoted, I, I, growing up in high school, I worked in a restaurant and, and I was a waiter's assistant, which is like a fancy restaurant way of saying busboy. And, and so I was a waiter's assistant and there were these other waiter's assistants and, and, and this one in particular who he seemed like he was doing a good job. He was always running around. He was always busy. He was always like carrying something. So it looked like he was on his way to do something, but he never quite was actually doing anything. <laughs> It it was like he looked so busy, but he wasn't actually accomplishing. He had mastered the art of looking like he was doing something. And then he got promoted to a prep cook, and the kitchen was a disaster because he was not ever actually doing anything. He was never actually working. He was never actually accomplishing anything. See, when you get promoted in a moment where you're not ready for the promotion, suddenly it becomes clear that you are not doing the work that you needed to be doing to be ready for that promotion. And that is what's happened to these virgins in this story is they're supposed to be ready for the wedding. They're supposed to be ready for the moment, which could be any time where the bridegroom comes and says, it's time for the wedding banquet. But they got lazy in their waiting and they fell asleep in their waiting and they weren't ready when it came. And the disciples are in this moment where their win is finally here. The day of Pentecost is finally here. And we learn why it was vital that they wait well. We learn why it was vital that they wait well because their wait was about to be over. And they need to be ready for what they had been waiting for. They need to be ready for what they've been waiting for. For. And, and some of you in this place, there's something that you're waiting for, that there's something that you've been in a season of waiting for. Maybe it seems like it's been an extended season of waiting and you just need to know that there is a win. Like you just need some light at the end of the tunnel to know that there is a win. And see, it's, it's a lot more enjoyable when you know what happens when. Last night, we were watching college football. Uh, If you're into college football, I'm an Auburn fan, so last night was a bit devastating. We went to multiple overtimes and lost in the new squirrely college overtime rules that we can discuss at some point if you'd like. But at the last moment of the game, it's like all the rules kind of change in the new overtime. Like nothing is normal. And so I was sitting there and I'm trying to watch the game. And again, actually, Sophia, like every five seconds, she's like, what happens when they get this? What happens when they get this? Well, if they get this, what happens when they get that? Well, if they don't get that, what happens when the other team gets the ball? And I'm like, I'm trying to be like compassionate and explain. I'm excited that she's into what I'm into, but I'm also like, let's talk about this later. But, but, but you enjoy the process more if you know what happens when blank. 
You enjoy the process more when you know what happens when the next thing happens. And so the whole point of what I want to say to you all today is that for those of you who are in waiting, you should be encouraged that there is a win. And we want to talk about what happens when, because you're going to enjoy it more when it comes if you know what happens when it does. Because some things always happen in the win. And the first thing is this, that the win, when the day of Pentecost came, when it actually happens, the win always brings the promise. The win always brings the promise. Jesus told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait. I'll send you what my father promised. I'll send you what my father promised. See, see, these disciples, they were waiting much in the same way that we wait in this season for Christmas, for Advent. This waiting with an expectation. See, we saw them wait poorly when they didn't know what they were waiting for. But then in the season that Ashton talked about last week, they were actually waiting with expectation because they knew there was a promise at the end of their wait. And for some of you today that have been waiting, you need to be reminded that there is a promise at the end of your wait. There is a win at the end of your wait. And when it comes, that promise that God has spoken to you will come to pass. But we need to wait expectantly. We need to wait recognizing that we are in a season of waiting, but also knowing that there will be a day when the waiting ends, when the promise is fulfilled. See, the way that we so often get stuck in waiting is when we don't believe that what we are waiting for is actually going to happen. But when we lose hope, when we lose faith that what we're, at, what we're waiting for is going to happen, we begin to get stuck in that waiting because we think the waiting is the end, that the promise isn't coming, so I'm just in this season of waiting. But, but when the disciples made this switch to waiting expectantly, they knew what to do when the day of Pentecost came because it was exactly what they had been waiting for. And some of you who are in a waiting se- season, you've maybe forgotten what you've been waiting for. You, you need to be reminded what it is you are waiting for. Because e- even as I said a few moments ago, so often our, our desires and what we think we're waiting for often get misaligned. Uh, We start to think that we're waiting for one thing when really we're waiting for something much greater than what we could have ever expected. See, the disciples, they knew that they were waiting for this power that Jesus had for them, but they did not know exactly what that was. And when the day of Pentecost came and when the Holy Spirit was poured out, their win was much more than they could have ever expected. Their win was much more than they could have ever dreamed And that's why it's so important that we are ready when it comes, because the promise or the promise comes when the waiting is over. Number two is that the win brings the power that you've needed. The win brings the power. Acts 1, verse 8, this is Jesus giving the promise to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, I think think it's no mistake that the end of the waiting, that it ended in a supernatural empowerment from God. 
Because waiting feels powerless. Waiting feels powerless. It feels like you're not actually doing anything. Like there, there, there are no more helpless and powerless feelings than the feeling of just waiting. Uh, we all always want to fill our waiting with something else. It's like our road trip this last week. I mean, we were just trying to do anything we could to fill the waiting, to distract from the wait, to make it seem like the wait was going by faster. We were watching movies. We were playing games. We were listening to kids' podcasts. We were doing everything we could to fill that wait so that it didn't seem like we were actually waiting because it feels powerless. It feels like there's nothing that you can do. And so I think it's no mistake that at the end of the wait was the power that they needed to fulfill what God had called them to. Because some of you are waiting for something that you don't feel empowered to even do. Some of you are waiting for something that you don't feel like you have the power and the authority to do. But when the end of the waiting comes, God will empower you for the thing that he's called you to. When the waiting is over in verse 14, we see that Peter, it says, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stands up and publicly begins to preach the gospel. Now, I want us to remember for a moment, because if you've been around church for any amount of time, you know this story, you're familiar with this story. Peter stands up and he proclaims the gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's easy to forget that these are the same disciples who just a few chapters earlier were hidden away in fear. They were hidden away in fear. They didn't want to be recognized. They didn't want anybody to know who they were or where they were or what they were doing. This, these are the same disciples who were hidden away in fear. And more specifically, Peter is the disciple who had denied Jesus Christ at his crucifixion. He is the disciple who had three chances to proclaim what Jesus was doing, and he chose to deny Jesus. And now he's standing up empowered, preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. This was only after a season of waiting that he's boldly, publicly proclaiming Jesus as Savior to anyone, that he's boldly doing what God has called him to do. What happened between the Peter who was denying Christ, between the Peter who was hiding away, and now the Peter who is standing up in the midst of a crowd preaching that Jesus is the only way and available for anyone. The difference is that he was empowered, that he was empowered. So the wind brings the power you need. And it's the power that you didn't have while you were waiting. It's the power that you didn't have before the wait. Peter didn't have the power to stand up and proclaim the gospel. Peter didn't even have the power to tell one person that he had been with Jesus. He chose to deny Jesus instead. But now that he's empowered, he's standing up in a crowd and he's proclaiming the love of Jesus. See, so often the waiting is what transforms us into the kind of person we need to be to walk in the power of God. It transforms us into the kind of person we need to be to walk in the power of God. See, sometimes our season of waiting is about making us the kind of person that can handle the kind of power that God wants to give us. Because how you handle power says a lot about who you are. How you handle power says a lot about the God that you follow. Because in this moment, they could have used their power for a lot of things. 
There were probably a lot of people that they would have liked to have tried to seek out and seek revenge on for what they had done to Jesus, for what they had done to them. And yet in this moment, they choose to use their power to preach the gospel and the inclusion of the people they were speaking to in the love of Jesus Christ. They used their power for good. See, they had been transformed in the waiting to the kind of people who used their power the right way. And that's what happens in the waiting. It transforms us into the kind of person that can handle the power that God has for us. And finally, the win brings perspective to the wait. It brings perspective to the wait. In Acts 2, verse 6, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the sky. See, the wait brought the disciples to the right place with the right people doing the right thing. See, that they were in the right place. They were with the right people. They were doing the right thing. But then in verse 5, we see that there are now dwelling in Jerusalem Jews from all nations, from all nations. Now, what you have to understand at this time, and I'm going to ask the team to come up as we kind of close, but what you have to understand from this time is that the Jews at that time, there were different feasts that they did throughout different times of the year. And there were some feasts that were called temple feasts, where the entire Jewish nation, they would, they would return to the temple for these specific feasts. And so we discuss the day of Pentecost as though it was the day that the Holy Spirit came, but the feast of Pentecost was already in place. This was already a feast that they were celebrating. And so what you begin to see is that because of this feast that was happening at this time, there were hundreds of thousands of Jews in Jerusalem at that moment who wouldn't have necessarily been there at any other point in time. That in that moment, God had orchestrated that at this moment where he pours out this, his spirit on the disciples, he had also brought from all nations Jews who needed to hear the love of Jesus Christ was available to all people. See, while the disciples were waiting, while the disciples were kind of being placed where God wanted them to be, at that very moment, God was moving other people to be impacted by what he was doing in the lives of the disciples. God was orchestrating that other people would be where they needed to be. He was positioning others to be impacted by the work he was doing in the disciples. See, so often we get very self-centered in our waiting. We, we get very self-focused in our waiting. We, we just want to know when our wait is going to be over. We want to know when the promise is going to be available for us. But what we can't lose sight of is that so often our waiting isn't even only about us. Our waiting is often about God orchestrating other people into our path so that when we're ready with the power that he's given us, when we're ready with the thing that he's given to us, that we're ready to minister to people that were never even in our minds to be on our path in the first place. That as the disciples were waiting, God was moving people into their path. And when the time came, when the time came that Peter was empowered, the people who needed to hear the message were where they needed to be. They, they were where they needed to be. See, the wait begins, or, or when the wind comes, it begins to bring perspective to the wait. You, you begin to see why things didn't turn out exactly how you thought they should turn out. 
You begin to see why things didn't turn out exactly as you hoped they would turn out. See, as many of you know, if you've been around for kind of our season of planting this church, you know that the beginning of this process was not at all how we expected it to be. We were trying to move to Sarasota in the midst of the kind of height of the pandemic as things were just beginning to shut down. And we're trying to start a church and gather people as you're no longer allowed to gather people. And we had housing contracts fall through and we had people back out of buying our house. And it became this whole, just what felt like a complete disaster. But as we look back, as we look back on pers- and we have perspective of that season of waiting, we can now look out at this group of people and there are people who I'm convinced would not be sitting in these seats if everything had gone the way we had planned. There are people who would not be sitting in these seats if our first house contract had gone through and we had not met certain people in our neighborhood who, who met, introduced us to other people, who introduced us to another people. There are actually people in this room who would not be in this room if our plan had gone how we hoped it would go. There are people that we would have never known, that we would have never encountered. And what we see when we step back in the waiting is we see the perspective that while things seemed like they were falling through, while things seemed like they weren't working out, that actually God was orchestrating and God was putting people in our path who needed to be on this journey with us. That God was putting us, that God was putting people in our path who needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That if our plan had gone through, there were people who maybe would have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. That if what we had planned, if what we had set out, there are people who would have never heard that promise. And we start to get perspective for the waiting. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. See, there is a purpose for the season that you're in right now. So often... When we're stuck in a season, it feels like there's no purpose. It feels like it's pointless. It feels like there's no ground being taken. I can tell you that March, April, May, June of last year, there were moments where Kristen and I were sitting in our house saying, man, at this point, we had planned to be doing this, that, and the other, but instead, we're literally just sitting in our house doing what feels like nothing. We're taking what feels like no ground. But all throughout that time, God was moving people into place. God was orchestrating exactly who he wanted to be in the path, exactly who he wanted to be in the journey. And some of you just need to be reminded that whatever season you're in, there is a purpose for this very season. And that someday you will have perspective for what was happening in this season. And it's it's impossible for you to see it now because it hasn't all played out. But there will be a day where you look back on a season that you thought things were not going well, that you thought things were falling apart, that you thought things weren't going to ever turn out. And you're going to see with perspective, you're going to see this is why it had to happen that way. See, the begin, the end of the wait is the beginning of a whole new season. 
the, be- the end of the wait is the beginning of a whole new season. And you're going to see the purpose for the last season in the new season. Because I can tell you that when we stepped in to September and we began to launch this church and people began to be on the journey with us and people were serving and people were leading, we were looking back on that season with perspective to say, oh, now we understand the wait. Now we understand the wait. And some of you, you're still in that waiting season, but you need to know that there is a purpose for this season and there's a new season coming. You might feel stuck in the season that you're in, but there's a new season coming. Your win is coming. There will be a day that it's when it happened, I was ready for it. When it happened, I saw the perspective of it. When it happened, it was fulfilled. When it happened, there were people who had been put in my path along the way that I never dreamed that I would meet. But we have to trust God. Just like a child that trusts God, it's never a question of if we're going to get there. It's never a question of if there is a win. There is a win. But we have to be people who continue to wait well and we're ready for it when it comes. Would you stand with me all across this room this morning?